But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the word of the Lord. excited about this series that's coming up. I just want to say, ah, this will be so good because I'm not talking about my message. I'm talking about the whole series. If, if you're like I am, I'll confess before everybody that, that I am weak in faith, that I pray uh, for my faith uh, to be increased, uh, not every day, but, uh, but with some frequency. Uh, because I feel myself, I perceive myself uh, to be very weak. And I need the Word of God. I need to be reading. I need to be praying. I need to be listening to sermons. I, I've got to do these things uh, because I need a constant um, IV. Um, this pastor is on a gurney that's hooked up to an IV that's being pushed down the hall by somebody else. Well, we are on the verge of, of a series on faith, and, and this may be the best chapter uh, that has a compendium, an accumulation of things that are specifically designed uh, to encourage us in our faith. And I hope by the end of this message, but also uh, by the end of each one of these messages, uh, uh, that God will gift us a fresh with faith that does great things for him, that is courageous, uh, uh, that is full of joy and peace and gladness. In this chapter, then, uh, 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 we're going to see how faith is defined, how it is commended, and how it is portrayed in multiple Images. Uh, Paul Tripp observes that um, Paul David Tripp, whom I love and, and, and I hope you get to know him too, he observes that everybody has faith. Everybody is hooked up to something. Everyone has hopes, things uh, that they count on, things that they depend upon. They have their own interpretation of reality uh, that is deeply held, and they have these convictions of, of, of which they are committed to. And we know that it takes very little experience or, 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 or very few exchanges uh, with this world and its people and the media uh, to find out uh, that there are many misunderstandings about what faith really is. There are many 
misrepresentations of what the nature of faith is in this world. Some people view it as a good guess, uh, as an amiable hunch uh, uh, they have. Uh, some see it as, as, as optimism. Uh, some see it as a religious thing, uh, 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 which is imaginary. Um, it's a dream that we would like to have come true. Uh, some see it as the uh, perfection of good things to come. It's positive thinking. It's wishful thinking. In a different uh, but uh, related category, uh, 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 there are those unhappy, angry detractors and fierce critics of anything that someone might refer to as faith. Uh, perhaps you've heard of Frederick Nitschke. He is the famous German philosopher who dismisses faith by saying, faith is not wanting to believe what is true. Burton Russell, uh, who is a, a famous British philosopher, he discloses his uncertainty about faith. He said, I would never die for my beliefs because I might be wrong. He also says, uh, uh, sadly, religion is something left over from the infancy of our intelligence. It will fade away when we adopt reason and science as our guidelines, then he's fatally mistaken when he says this. We only speak of faith when we wish to substitute emotion for evidence. On the American side of, of, of what we call the Great Pond, I guess I show my age by saying that, H.L., Mencken says, uh, in, he, he was an apparently well-recognized writer in the United States, and his books are available on Amazon. Uh, I, he throws in his less than two cents worth uh, by saying, faith may be defined as an illogical belief, an illogical belief in the occurrence of the Im improbable. Isn't that sad? That's their misunderstanding of, uh, of what faith actually is. Our passage is uh, uh, so clear. We learn that uh, whatever faith must be, it's got to be far above any nebulous ideas or notions or dreamy uh, projections. It has to be more solid, more real, more influential than any man-centered idea or invented high hypothesis. Uh, when Adam read the context there, you see, whatever faith is, it's got to be better, far better. It's, it's got to overturn uh, what these three men said. Uh, because in Hebrews chapter 10 and, and verse 32, it's got to answer to the hard struggle and the sufferings and the great conflict uh, that is full of suffering. 
of the public exposure to taunts, insults, afflictions, and persecutions in, in verse 33. It has to be able to joyfully accept the confiscation or the plundering of property in, in, in verse 34. They, it has to overcome that temptation to throw away their confidence and, and, and their trust in what they thought was going to happen in having better possessions in verse 34, the last part of it, and in the face of great rewards. They needed endurance in the face of feeling faint and being tempted to shrink back. Uh, you have that in, in verses 37 and 38. The affirmation comes in verse 39 of chapter 10. But my righteous will live by faith. Uh, verse 39 says that it, it is not we or what or 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 why it it is because we have faith that's why we are saved that's why we will obtain eternal life and preserve our souls of uh, the word faith in this chapter occurs 24 times and the expression by faith of which is found in our passage in verse 3 is found 19 times out of those 24 times. It is not about law-keeping. That's not what this is about. It's, it, it's all about faith. So when you read our text, uh, we see clearly that now faith is the assurance of things, that is, the reality, the thing that we are sure of, of what we hope for, and the conviction of things not seen. That is what the people of old or the ancients or our ancestors received their condemnation or approval for. By faith, we understand that the universe was created or formed by the word or command of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. You see, we have a simple outline uh, uh, which you could write for yourself. Uh, number one, uh, we have faith defined. It answers the question, what is faith? Number two, we have the commendation of faith. What does God approve of? What does God like? And number three, uh, uh, we have an illustration of faith. Can you give me an example well, we have faith defined then, uh, number one. And this is not uh, an exhaustive definition by any means, but it is um, an essential one. It's one that uh, contains uh, the very heart of what faith truly is. It is the basis uh, uh, for all of the, bio uh, the biographical portraits uh, that this chapter is filled with. We learn that faith apprehends in verse 1 as a real fact that which is not seen or revealed to the senses. Faith is unshakedly confident and convinced of what is not visible, what it cannot see with physical eyes. It sees beyond 
the two-dimensional level of the observable, the measurable, and the repeatable. I like what John Bloom says to himself. Uh, uh, he says, soul, it's, it's uh, based on Proverbs 3, 5. Soul, do not lean on your own understanding. Your perceptions alone, what you can see with your eyes, what you can understand by what you observe, by what you ex- experience, your perceptions alone cannot bear the weight of reality. You can't do it. Faith is not an, an indistinct, mere religious feeling, which is doubtable or uncertain or is, is simply a human opinion or persuasion. Faith cannot be contrasted with reason. Faith is contrasted with sight. We have the Bible. We've got 66 books. We've got 40 authors. It's written in three languages over a period of 1,600 years. It is history. It is prophecy. It is poetry. It is moral and spiritual truth unparalleled. It is a self-authenticating book. Is that enough uh, to convince anybody that this is the word of God? It's not. What we have to have is something supernatural. That will convince us. What do we have, dear people? Praise God, we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And, and, and the Holy Spirit irresistibly confirms that this is the word of God. You will never throw it away. You cannot get rid of it. Nobody can take it from you. You will always believe it. You hear the voice of God in this book. You can't explain it. It, It's a thing unseen, but it's real. It's felt. It's influential. It's what controls you. It's what blesses you. It's what gives you peace. It is the word of God. And so one preacher says, faith is entirely reasonable. Because it lays hold of a truth-speaking God who is nothing but truth. He says, it is the righteous, reflective response to revelation. It, it is the righteous, what I wanted to say, it, it is the righteous, reflexive response to revelation. If you've got the Spirit of God, there's nothing that you can do. It's a reflex action. It's righteous. It, it brings a response out of you. It causes you to praise God. It causes you to thank God. It causes you to obey God. It causes you to desire God. It, it, it causes you to, to, to want him uh, to be known in this city and in this world. That's what the word of God does. So having the Holy Spirit, we trump everything. When you talk to an unbeliever and and, and you tell him what the Bible is and he still refuses you, 
you can sadly look at him and say, the one thing you lack, the one thing that I have, that I received, that I don't deserve, I've got the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the Holy Spirit continually convinces me that this is God's book. If you had that, you would know the same thing that I know. There was a time when I was like you, when I didn't believe that book. I believed in all kinds of religion, but I did not believe the book. But thank you, God, uh, uh, for sending the Holy Spirit to me. So faith is not a leap into the dark. It is the light of God's word breaking upon a, a believer's heart. Praise God. And see, according to verse 6 of our, of our chapter, pleasing God depends on faith. It is really seeing the one who is invisible, as you have it in verse 27, as Moses, as he saw it, and he determined that God was most worthy to be followed, obeyed, and served. Faith apprehends and, and sees. This is huge. This is what you have. You believe in the ultimate reality. You have an ultimate authority, an ultimate guide. You have an ultimate hope of eternal life because of your faith. It is an absolute certainty because it hears what he has said, what God has said, what he has promised, what he has performed, what he has warned us about, what he says he will reward us for, and all the rest. Faith answers the, the, the two main uncertainties in life. What is happening? What is going on? What's happening right now? And what will happen in the future? No one knows what a day may bring forth. Our dear Pastor Mark never knew when he got up one morning that he was going to get in an automobile accident and fracture the femur uh, uh, so close to his hip. He had no idea. You can think of numerous things th that have happened to you in, in, in any given day uh, that you never expected. But see, faith is as secure in its expression and its understanding. It's as secure as it knows the God who is in control of all things. Faith sees this invisible God, this, this, this all-powerful, omnipotent, wise, and good God who is controlling everything uh, for our good. He is our redeemer. He's our father. He's our provider. He's our defender. He's our healer. Faith sees clearly unseen grace and, provi and providences and promises. You can't see any of those things. And yet you are hanging your whole soul on it. You're hanging your whole soul on the grace and providence and promises of God who we believe that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Faith sees the inheritance and the reward and the bliss from far away. We know that we're going to heaven. I try to think about that every day. I know there's going to be a new heaven 
and a new earth. And I, and I know that heaven's going to come down and this whole world's going to be transformed. How do I know that? How am I so doggone sure of that? Absolutely sure of it. It's, it's because my heart hangs on to a revelation from God that I didn't make up, that I didn't invent, that I never thought of, that, that I could never imagine. That's what faith does. It's a gift from God. Praise God that we have it. Faith adds this third dimension to us. The poor lost soul has a two-dimensional life. He, he can only see, she can only see what's on this human level. And she can only see, or he can only see, us slightly above it. There's this whole other world that they are oblivious to. That it intrudes upon them from time to time, but they're oblivious to it. They take no action on account of it. There's just too many distractions. There are too many pleasures. But the Christian who has faith can say and see a whole other dimension. It is, it is the spiritual realm. And, and, and there is a sense in which we pay so much more attention to that than this two-dimensional world that we are living in. That's why we can be called upon uh, uh, to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Uh, Colossians 3 says this, Set your minds on things that are above and not the things uh, that are on earth. A lost person has, has scarcely an apprehension of anything better than what they can set their eyes upon. God says to us, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is your future. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Isn't that wonderful? Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. It's being convinced of what we do not see. Uh, praise God. Let's notice then in the uh, second place uh, uh, the commendation of faith. For by it, uh, the people of old received their commendation. The ancients or our ancestors won God's approval and, and commendation. Arthur Pink says that the uh, the verb received or obtained is, is in the passive voice. He says literally it, it could be translated, the people of old were witnessed of an honorable report being born to them. He says that it's actually capable of, of being translated that way. God took care that a record should be kept complete in heaven in part transcribed in these scriptures that we have before us of all actings of faith as God was the author and giver of their faith. You see, dear people, we live before the face of God and God himself 
is, is eyewitness uh, to all that we do. We know it's God's approval and, and his combination and his commendation uh, from verses 4 through 6. The antecedent of, of who approves of this or who commends of this is clear in verse 4. Abel was commended by God for his better sacrifice. Enoch pleased God and was so commended in, in, in verse 5. I'm not going to talk about the historical portraits. Uh, that's for other preachers to do in the uh, subsequent messages. But, but, but what will God, what will God find commendable in us when we are not the giants of the faith? What will he approve of, of us? What will he write down in his record? What will he say of us? Have you beheld uh, my child, my servant? My daughter, my son, what faith-based commendable activity does he, does he delight in? I'll just give you some instances. I think these are the best ones, and, and, and they may occur to your mind as well. God delights, God approves of, God finds commendable uh, the prayer of the upright. When you are seen by God, people might think you're crazy. You're in the dark, you're in your bedroom, you're laying on your bed, you're talking to God. You're talking to one that you cannot see, but you are convinced of he is. He is my father. God delights in that. God delights in, in, and approves of and commends a corporate prayer meeting. Uh, no matter how small or how large it is, he says, uh, behold, my people are praying to me. That is commendable. He, he, he uh, uh, surely commends the secret sacrificial service of those who volunteer and those who do secret things uh, for the benefit of their brothers and sisters in Christ. They don't need to be thanked. They don't need to be recognized. They don't want to be recognized. They don't want to be rewarded. They don't want to be repaid. They just want to do something for the glory of God. And they say to themselves, God is watching. God is who I want to serve. God is the one that I want to please. It is enough for me that Jesus sees what I am doing. And I don't need any other witness. I don't need any other com- any other commendation. I'll tell you, dear people, if we can get to this, if we can practice this, it'll be one of the most freeing principles of our lives. If we can ever get to the place where Jesus said, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's awesome. How can you get there and be so unselfconsciously doing something for God? How can you do that? It will be by the grace of God, but we've got to try. We've got to pray for it. We've got to attempt it. God, help me to do things just for you. Not for the eyes of men. Not for the praise of men. 
not for the recognition of men, just to do it just for you. God, help me to do that. That's what I want to be. That, that is what God commends. He commends a generous giver. He says, believe me, bring the whole tithe into my house that there may be food in, on my table and test me in this. And see if I do not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so large that you cannot take it in. God commends that. We should be generous. We should be giving. We should even give sacrificially. God says, behold my servant. He's a good steward. She's a good steward. She opens her hand freely to the poor. We can do that. That's commendable by God. Marital fidelity is commendable by God. No matter how long you are married, no matter what you had and you no longer have it, no matter what may happen to your spouse, what help and care they may require, you stay together. You glorify God. You show the world what the love of Jesus is like for the church. And the church... For Jesus, she stays with her husband. She's submissive. She's helpful. She serves him. He lays down his life for his wife. I don't care how old they are or how long they've been married. Glorious to God. What about that man? It is commendable to fight against sin, to fight against lust, to close your eyes, to turn your head. To not look again. That's beautiful in the sight of God. Look at that boy. Look at that young man. Look how he fights against sin. Look how he fights against that lust. Look how he won't, he won't go there. He won't pick up that magazine. He won't click on that website. Look what he's doing. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is something that is commendable. Look how my people are absorbed and attached to my word. Look how they look into it. Look how they love it. Look, he's reading his Bible in a public place. Look, he's listening uh, on, his, on his radio, on, on his iPad, in his iPod, with his iPhone. Or if you're an Android person, you can do the same thing. Look, look what... Uh, at that commitment to me, isn't that marvelous? Well, I think of HBC missionaries. I think of their commendable goal in, in life to throw away everything uh, for the kingdom of God, to leave everything for the kingdom of God, to say to themselves, serving God, reaching the unreached, is better than accumulating possessions here and a life of ease. How we praise God for what he's doing at, 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 at Heritage Baptist Church. Look at the commendable activity in the Horn of Africa, in Serbia, in South Africa, in Mexico, and what will happen in Ireland and in Utah. These folks that will just leave it all. These folks that will move down to 5th Street 
these teachers that sacrifice and give of themselves at Heritage Christian School. This is all commendable activity in the sight of God. He loves it. He's recording it. He's marking it down. He is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. That's not what our God is. And you see the persecuted church, precious, precious in the sight of God. I was reading this article. It just simply says, that, uh, um, well, I'm, I, I won't give you the context. Most people in, in, in the West would be, su- would be surprised by the answer to the question, who are the most persecuted people in the world? According to the International Society for Human Rights, a secular group with members in 38 states worldwide, 80% of all acts of religious discrimination in the world today are directed at Christians. The Center for Study of Global Christianity in the United States estimates that 100,000 Christians now die every year, targeted because of their faith. That is 11 every hour. The, the Pew Research Center says that hostility uh, uh, to religion reached a new high in 2012 when Christians faced some form of discrimination in 139 countries, almost three-quarters of the world's nations. God beholds that. God marks that down. We should be on our knees for the persecuted church. God likes that too. He commends that. But what kind of faith is this? What kind of faith will not deny Jesus Christ? What kind of faith that will pay this price? What kind of faith will face the confiscation of, of property and possessions? What kind of faith will go to prison? What kind of faith will be separated from your family? What kind of faith will go into exile? It's the faith in a God that has revealed things that we cannot see. But they are a reality. They are the ultimate reality. The love of God, the promises of God, heaven, the rewards of God. That's what motivates these people. They'll sit in a cell in the darkness rather than deny their Lord. It is supernatural. There's nothing like it. There's no imitating it. There's no manufacturing it. It's got to come from heaven. And that's what we have. That's the kind of faith. We, we, we don't know what we're going to face. I like what Isaac Watts says. He says, thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer though they die. They see the triumph. They see what is unseen. They see it. They see the triumph from afar by faith's discerning eye. When that illustrious day shall rise and all thy army shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall all be thine. 
Well, we come to the third place then. Faith illustrated or exemplified. By faith, we understand uh, that the universe was created by the word of God. So that which, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Uh, This is pretty radical stuff, isn't it? But this is what faith believes. Faith believes that there were no raw materials, that it was no slime, no bang, no eternal material. There was nothing. There was just God and this enormous void. Uh, There was nothing else until God spoke until he commanded. There is no other explanation for us of the multiplicity, of the harmony, of the diversity, of the beauty, of the immensity, of the minutia, of, of, of the usefulness, of the ability to reproduce, of all the things that are on this earth, the celestial things, the galaxies, the stars, the, the planets, the terrestrial things, the grasslands, the deserts, the oceans, the, the, the mountains, the forests, everything that God has made, the whole creation shouts and has God's fingerprints all over it. Intelligent design is not enough. It's more than design. It's got to be upheld. It's got to be maintained. God puts food into the mouth of every living thing. Nobody can live. No creature can live apart from God. That is what we believe. That's what we know. All of these things, God's fingerprints are everywhere. If that's so, then what does that mean? By faith, we know. That the things that we see in this universe were not made out of things that we see, but they were made out of things invisible. They were made out of the word of God. It, it cannot be seen. What does that mean? It means that God owns everything. It means that we're living on his property and that everything that we have received belongs to him. He has given so much. It means that God is great. That God is great beyond all all measurement and all description. He defies description. God is marvelous. He is fantastic. He is sensational. He blows us away. Those who have faith can see that. Everywhere we look, I can't understand blade of grass. I cannot comprehend it. God has made it. God is so good. Well, let me give you a final application then, and, 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 and we'll close. How did we get this faith? How did we get this third dimension? Why is it that we have this, that we have these spiritual eyes and, and the unseen for us who are Christians, is as sure as anything that we have ever seen. Jesus Christ, to me, 
And it's as real as Jim Byrne is sitting right next to his wife, Elizabeth. Why can I say that? I'm not a liar. I'm telling you the truth. He's that real. Where do you get that? It's a gift from God. If you want it, if there's any inclination in your heart, I hope there is. If you want it, fly to Jesus. Go to Jesus. You must be born again. You've got to get a new heart. You need a radical change in your life if if you're ever going to get this kind of faith where you can believe so assuredly, be sure of what is in this unseen world. So faith comes. That's what the scripture says. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ. That's what you need. You've got to keep listening. You've got to hear him. You've got to hear him calling you. You've got to hear him say, come to me. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I promise you. I promise you. I will give you rest. That's what you've got to do. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one may boast. Not even one. For we are his workmanship. God has worked on us. We've been handled by God. We've been touched by God. We've been operated on by God. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. I'll close with this text. 1 Corinthians 4, 6. I told you earlier that faith is not a leap into the dark. It is the light breaking in upon our darkness. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this gift of faith that you have given to us, that we are able to behold things that are unseen with our senses and be convinced of them because we see them by faith. We praise you. We pray you'll extend your kingdom, that you'll give others the same gift that are here gathered, that you'll bless this testimony of faith that's coming in the baptism of Emma Jones. May all the glory be yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. stand and worship.
it's my privilege to take a moment and uh, introduce for you uh, a young sister now in our church, uh, Emma Jones. So I want to ask uh, Emma if you'll come up here, honey, and you can. Uh, she's going to read her testimony uh, to all of you. So it's a privilege to have you, Emma. I'm lo- looking forward to listening to your testimony. And let's just move this out of the way a little bit. And if you want, you can put that there. And uh, let's listen to Emma as she shares uh, her story of how Jesus has saved her. in such young people. And uh, we can never underestimate the power of growing up in a Christian family with God-fearing parents who love and shepherd their children to the Lord. And uh, so parents, that's another thing that's commendable as Pastor Keith was speaking this morning in God's sight. It's the uh, faithfulness every day to be laboring in love over your children. And uh, even as Emma was talking about her mom and and, uh, as she was instructing her what to do, it's a beautiful thing to see that. So let's, let's not grow weary in doing good. I know it's hard, parents, but let's press on in this good work. Um, so Emma, why don't you walk over here, and I'll help you get in. based on your testimony that you've just given. I want to ask you a couple of questions, okay? So are you trusting then in Jesus Christ to pay for all of your sins uh, leading to eternal life? Yes. Okay. Um, Emma, are you, are you willing this day to forsake the devil and all of his works and ways? Yes. Good. Well then, Emma, as a last question then, With God's help 
are you willing to follow and obey Jesus all the rest of the days of your life? Yes. Amen. Well then, Emma, you can put your hand on your nose there. And it will be my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Let's take a moment before we leave this morning and pray to our God. This would be a great time if you are visiting with us this morning or if you're here and, uh, and you're just wondering about your own heart, your own condition before God. This is a great time. Let's just quiet our hearts for a moment. We've seen a testimony of baptism. We have heard uh, a stirring message on faith and the importance of that. We have an opportunity now to seek our God. So let's bow, let's bow before him in a moment of prayer and reflection. I'll take a minute here of, of silence and then I'll pray. Father, we praise you that you have drawn us to this place this morning and how our hearts confess that we need it. Oh, how we need to be with your people in your house of worship, gathered with our brothers and sisters, with a family of God. How that brings us peace and comfort. We are grateful. We are thankful. There was a time, there was a day when this would have been one of the last places some of us would have ever stepped foot into. There was a time and a place where though some of us grew up in this context, our hearts resented it and we hated it. It was drudgery. It was painful. There was, for some of us, uh, a real animosity, a resentment, an anger, a total apathy, lethargy to the church and to Jesus Christ and to the gospel. It was a joke. It was something to laugh about. But you have stepped in with your mercy and your grace and you have changed hearts and you're in the business of doing that, of grabbing a man's heart and taking a heart of stone, as Emma just shared from Ezekiel, and making it into a heart of flesh. That's a miracle. That is the greatest work of mankind, uh, among mankind that you have performed by your hand and we praise you and we ask that you would continue in this season and in this day to do that, that you would be at work in our families, in our marriages, in our children. Lord, that you would give us faith as we begin this series, as we step out and begin to look at those who have gone before us, these heroes, these heroines of the faith who have led lives of of incredible strength and courage and boldness before you in the face of so much persecution and trouble and difficulties. Lord, that you would be grabbing us as a church and moving us and mobilizing us forward. We pray that even this day that you would draw our hearts upon Christ, that you would fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, that you would encourage us. We pray for those who are suffering this morning under any difficulties, whether it be a sickness or whether it be children who have run away or whether it be a serious family problem or someone who's in critical condition at this moment, whatever it is, people have taken lots of anxieties into this room this morning. We pray that by your grace that you would come and that you would lift them up, that you would sustain them, that you would strengthen them. We pray that we would, you would set, set us aside, Lord, that you would cause us to Take a moment here of reflection and remember the great God of this universe that we have been called to serve and that you would stir our hearts this day and that we would not just 
just live for ourselves, live for our own pleasure, but that you would set us aside to be radically devoted to you for the spread of your kingdom and for the glory of your name. We pray all these things with a trusting heart. Yes, a faith that is weak and not what it should be, but with a trusting heart, believing that you're the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So come and help us this day and free our hearts from ourselves and set them upon you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have one announcement I want to make as we leave today. Um, it's important. It comes from us as pastors. We, we want to serve you well. And uh, a few weeks ago, we sent out an email survey to our church family uh, asking you about email and communications. And uh, we're in the, in the middle right now of working on that and establishing some new methods of communication that we think will help you based on the feedback that we've gotten from you. We want to ask you to do one more thing. Today, we are going to send out, Pastor Mark is going to send out a questionnaire and a survey regarding our classes before uh, the worship time, so our Disciple You classes. And there's a host of questions on there. We, we want you to just, just you know, give us your heart, give us your thought on that. We want that time to be uh, really helpful and instructive and encouraging to you. Uh, that's why we provide it as a means of discipleship. So if you'll just get on there, please, and uh, look at those questions later this afternoon and fill that out, we would be very thankful and appreciative of that. Okay, now let me give you a benediction, a good word, uh, as we depart today. And I pray that you will go in peace and that God would fill you with his spirit. So hear this now. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Thank you.